previously on To The Use. I call that my year transition. Okay. Uh, and so during that time, that's a whole nother like conversation about like motivation uh, post college, right. uh, which is probably a whole nother like podcast series about like post college depression and then, like how to deal and oh, yeah. maneuver through that. Oh yeah. But Greetings and salutations. Welcome back to another episode of To the Youths. I am your host. Brother Marshall Glaze from the corporate headquarters of Alpha Phi Alpha Turning Incorporated. Uh, we are back in the uh, Sphinx Studios with another episode of To The Use. Um, we're going to be talking about a very touchy topic, um, cons- uh, considering that uh, I went through you know, very minimal six months of this phenomenon that we know as post-college depression. And we are back with uh, two returning members um, and one new guest. I will allow our new guest to introduce himself. He is very uh, special to this office, and he's a very dear friend of mine, Brother John Rollins III. Well, thank you, Brother Glaze. Uh, it's good to be here. My name is Brother John Rollins III. I serve as the Director for Leadership Development and Training here at the Corporate Headquarters. All right, and we have... Thank you for coming, Brother. Um, you are greatly appreciated. And the returning members of this... Uh, Dear podcast, uh, my dear brothers, uh, brother Nehemiah and brother Cameron, uh, we will be. Oh, please, please introduce yourselves again. How you all doing? Uh, Nehemiah <laughs> Bester here. Uh, happy to be here. And uh, Cameron Smith, happy to be here as well. I suppose. <laughs> Thank you for coming back again. Uh, your 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 services are are greatly appreciated yeah, to this podcast. So, 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 so let's, let's just, let's just jump right into it. Okay. Um, let's, let's, let's take a very, very, uh, top down approach to this and let's not sugarcoat anything. We're talking about post-college depression. Hmm. Um, something that I deal with for around six months following graduating, uh, my undergrad university of Baltimore in December of 2017. Um, I was without a job. I didn't have money. I was on my mother's couch. And I was literally just left with my thoughts, um, meditation mix from Apple Music, and some books. Um, so before I get into uh, our own um, experiences with this phenomenon, let's go ahead and um, I will have Brother Rawlins uh, introduce this, this phenomenon and define it for us. All right, so if I had to give a definition, I would say that post-graduation depression is commonly known as that extreme sadness, um, impaired functioning that recent grads report after they leave um, this world that they've created in college. And it's really, I would say, understudied, um, very much underreported. There's really no official um, diagnosis for it, but it's something that we have to, we really should talk about, I think. You know, there, and there are a number of symptoms that have been identified for those who have studied it. Um, a couple of those are addiction, um, so individuals becoming addicted to drugs, to alcohol, to sex. 
um, and, and other things. Uh, confusion, this kind of thought process, what am I doing? Where do I go? What's next? Um, and not just those thoughts, but the kind of clouding of those thoughts in one's mind. There's also fear and loneliness. And then one that we don't often talk about um, positively, I'll say, is joblessness, right? And that's really, you know, thinking about individuals that are depressed, that they can't find a job, but that depression still hinders them from kind of, you know, moving forward with the job uh, searching process. So that's how I would define postgraduate or post-college depression. Okay. Uh, so given that you just gave that very eloquent uh, definition, um, go ahead and share with our audience, uh, if, if you would like to, mm -hmm. um, share with our audience uh, your experience with post-college or post-graduation depression. Absolutely. It's interesting because I would say I actually started dealing with it the fall of my senior year. So this was... Uh, October of 2005. I'm a little older mm. than you guys. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, October of 2005. It was my senior year at Cornell University. And I just started to realize that the end of my college career was near. And I didn't necessarily have everything planned out like I wanted. Um, you know, when I was in high school, the goal was to get to college. And I was grateful enough to get into Cornell. Um, worked really hard to get there. Once I was there, worked really hard to stay there, was really actively involved in the uh, community of color, uh, black community specifically, um, had a lot of leadership roles. And, and that was great, but at the same time, looking back on it now, what, almost 13 years later, I didn't think about what was next. Mm. And the reality that my world was about to shift and the things that I had you know, taken up to that point three years to build, were in some sense I thought about to kind of come right from under me and wasn't going to be there anymore. And so I guess in October of 2005, I kind of fell into this deep depression. Um, I was uh, skipping class. I wasn't eating. Um, my friends would come by my room just to make sure that I was okay. And I think for them it was hard to deal with because I was the usually the really positive one the really jovial guy, the leader that a lot of students came to uh, when they were feeling down, but here I am paralyzed um, in many ways. Um, there were a couple of days I remember just not leaving my room, not getting out of bed. Mm -hmm. um, I ended up seeking counseling um, towards the end of that first semester into the second semester, which was helpful, um, but still had a little bit of it um, kind of coming out of undergrad um, and even moving into my first job. Um, and it was, it was tough. And again, I mean, for me really as the person that everybody goes to, I felt odd and awkward having to ask for help or going to other individuals to talk about it. Um, cause I wanted to always be that strong individual that they could come to. So how did you navigate it? Um, there were a couple of things. Uh, first, like I said, uh, had sought counseling. Uh, when I was on campus um, and that was just helpful to kind of push me to think about what was next and not to be scared mm -hmm. of what was next. Yeah. Um, I'm a very spiritual person. Um, so once I felt like I came to myself um, and was able to be in a space where I could really lean and depend on my uh, spiritual background, um, that was helpful for me. I've, I've always been active in church, um, but really being intentional about that. Sure. Um, was, was, was helpful. And then 
getting to the place where I actually felt like I could talk about it. Right. Um, Because that's half the battle. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. If if you're not able to voice, and this is not just post-college depression, this is really any depression, right? If you're not able to at least admit to somebody that something is wrong, something doesn't feel right, something's not normal to you, um, or part of your norm, that, that makes the whole battle tougher. So um, I think those things, and then I, I was fortunate enough to actually have a job um, right out of undergrad, um, a summer job, and then moved right into a, uh, what would end up being a full-time job that I had for eight and a half years. And being around other colleagues who understood where I was coming from um, and other individuals, and it happened to be in higher education. I've been in student affairs for 13 years. Um, because I had those individuals around me, it was it was good for me to process. And then at the same time, again, because I'm that guy that people come to now formally in this role, I was helping students to deal with it yeah. and to figure it out. And so that for me was also helpful because I think um, just as much as I was trying to pour into them, even with working into with them, they were pouring into me. So that was for me how I worked through it. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so, um, so you hit on a very important point, which, which, which I will say is, um, is the unknown. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't know what's next. For me, it was, uh, it was just the, the, the mere, uh, understanding of, I could do whatever I wanted next. Mm-hmm. And that scared the living daylights out of me mm-hmm. because from kindergarten to 12th grade to undergrad, you're told what to do, what's next. Every year, right. you're told that you have to go to the next year. You have to go to this next uh, stage in development. And as soon as you get your, as soon as I got my, um, my application for graduation was approved, that was when it kicked in mm-hmm. um, for me because I realized that Dang, I'm gonna have to go out into the real world now. Right. I'm gonna have to figure figure it out. I know that my mother's not gonna be there for me. I know that my father. Well, they are, but mm-hmm. not you know in a different way. In a different way. Yeah. Right. They're uh, they're not gonna be holding my hand anymore. I'm not gonna have teachers, professors who will hold me accountable. Um, I'm not gonna have that same support system. It's gonna be a lot, a bulk of my my next life. I'm, I'm going to say next life mm-hmm. because it's a totally different life going from from school to the working world and completely immersing yourself in everything that society has to offer. Right. So 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 having that having that thought in my head of I could do whatever I want. I'm bad with choices. Mm-hmm. Right. So I didn't know what the heck I wanted to do. Um, I bounced around the idea of law enforcement. I bounced around the idea of 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 being a freelance writer and then the opportunity presented itself at headquarters um which i've been in my role for um, a little over shoot seven months now mm-hmm. um so you know it, it it took a while because it took me six months to get a job uh so it was a lot of reflection a lot of a lot of going back into my own head and 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 thinking about myself and my purpose so a lot of that um just very quickly, I'll share with you my routine for the day. My routine for the day was I would wake up, I would do eight minutes of meditation. I would put on a meditation mix and just lay and just be present in the sound that it made. Uh, Tibetan drums or, you know, 
Native American flu, something like that, right. or, or, or just the ocean, and just being in that moment and just having, having that time to myself and just think about my purpose. Mm-hmm. That helped. Um, reading books. I will say it was old, but the Russell Simmons Do You book helped me tremendously. Uh, it was written in 2007, but it, it, it was still relevant till, till today. Um, and uh, Jen Sincero, uh, you are a badass. That helped me as well. Um, uh, that also opened my, um, my, my, my brain up to my own creativity. Mm-hmm. For a while, I struggled with calling myself a creative. Um, so now I'm fully embracing the creative world. And I, and, and I did that because I took the six months that I was given by the grace of God to have this reflection period. So that's how I dealt with mine. Um, brothers, if y'all want to jump in, whoever wants to go first, you can go ahead and share uh, what it was for you and how you dealt with it. Sure. So for me, uh, similar to Brother John, he, um, like him, I was a student leader, uh, engaged, mentor. Uh, at the time, I was in a relationship. So I had a lot of people who um, who looked up to me, who were counting on me to, to do well. And uh, I knew that the deadline of graduation was approaching. And I saw that, but it felt like I saw a car crash coming mm. because at that time I was literally tied up into everything else but myself, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Because these are the obligations that I said that I was going to do. And I just put myself in the back seat mm-hmm. to just watch the show happen. And so um, upon graduation, I had no, I like completed maybe like one grad school application, got denied. Um, applied for a couple of jobs, really wasn't interested in them, just did it so I can say that I had something, you know, going on. But the reality was I didn't have the, I had the time, but I felt overcommitted to other things mm-hmm. at that mm. time uh, because I wanted to finish on such a high note. Sure. And so um, that mixed with my family. Oh, what are you going to do? Like, what's next? What's oh, next? Family's a killer. Yeah, it, it's definitely a killer, right? As much as they like really say those things to, you know, to see and to support you, um, those same things can kind of be like detrimental yeah. uh, if they don't know fully what's going on with you. And so um, upon graduation, uh, my biggest goal, like my biggest goal in undergrad was to not go back to St. Louis. That was that was it. That mm. was like the cardinal sin that I did not want to do. Because that's where you're from. Yeah, that's where I'm from. I just wanted to move past it. But unfortunately, when I graduated, I didn't have anything lined up. I was forced to move back home. Mm. And so um, at that time, I said, you know what? I'm just going to take time for myself and I'm just going to travel, Right. And so I just traveled for a few months and then I ran into a job opportunity um, working as a legislative assistant. And um, it was terrible. I hated it. Um, probably the worst job that I've had. Um, and so with that, though, I wasn't content because I was still in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. I was still battling uh, with feeling like a failure from college. Mm-hmm. Right. Despite mm-hmm. accolades, despite championships, despite everything that I've done, I wasn't enough. Mm-hmm. And so that translated over into my work. Because in my work, I have a passion for community. I have a passion for like organizing and stuff like that. And it was like, I was there, but even in that opportunity, I wasn't doing that work. Mm. And so that made me feel even more depressed because it was like, yeah, you have it. And it's not even as glamorous as you think it is, right? Mm-hmm. Or you don't have access to what you really thought you, you had because you didn't do what you needed to do, right? And it was that constant beat up yeah. of self. And it got really bad for me. Um, at times I would like just lay in my bed like, I was late to work constantly, like constantly mm. late. Mm-hmm. Um, I would, you know, not show up some days uh, because I was just super depressed. I would just lay in my bed um, and it was really bad because I was staying at home 
And so, like, what I would do is, you know, in the morning, I would get up, like, when my mother got up, you know, I got in the shower, did all that stuff mm-hmm. to put on the facade that I was going to work. Right. Okay. Right. Okay. But in reality, you know, while I was in the shower, it was, you know, not happy thoughts. It was, yeah. here we go again. You're a failure. So what? You don't have it together. You thought you had it. You were the man in college. You ain't nothing now. Right. And so those just constant images and, 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 and talking to myself in that way mm-hmm. um, forced that onto me. And then um, pretty much to wrap it up, uh, I was afforded an opportunity to move out to Nashville, um, you know, but in that time, in that transitional time, uh, I had to just stop like beating myself up about it. Um, and like John said, again, I just finally reached out to my mentor to kind of help me through uh, that process, right? Mm-hmm. To see like, what were my options? How could I be more effective um, and things of that nature? And so from then I was able to just start getting back to writing in my journal. I had a prayer journal. I just wrote, 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 wrote. <laughs> cried, wrote, fell into like a mm-hmm. whole bunch of, like I, it was at a point where I was just like drinking like a lot, like mm-hmm. not like super alcoholic, but mm-hmm. like definitely like, oh, I'm just going to have a drink today. I'm like, why not? Right. Yeah. right. Um, and so then I moved to Nashville and life got like much better. Um, and I struggled less in Nashville, but then it was uh, another opportunity of like struggle um, in Nashville for me too, because then it was yet again, I was in another position at another job that wasn't fulfilling right for me. And then I started having those same thoughts of you have a degree, you have all these things, you have a network, but yet again, because you can't execute, you, you, you're in this spot again. Right. And so just that battling and it's in, and for me, like post-grad depression, um, isn't a thing that happens like in a month or two months, it could be a year, it could be two years. Right. Oh yeah. Um, until you figure out what it is that you, you know, until you get to a point where you're able to to be okay in your situation and um, and pretty much just help yourself. And so uh, for me, I just did a lot of writing. I did a lot of exercising at the time Good. Uh, just to help, you know, myself just feel better about myself. Because then when you think, it's all about the way you think yeah. to yourself and the way in which you speak to yourself, right? And so because I wasn't speaking that way, and even though I had people around me, it, it was a level of I just didn't believe them, Right. Because I, I was in my situation and they weren't, right? Mm-hmm. And so with that, I think those are all of the things um, in a nutshell uh, that at least I'm willing to share that, you know, contributed to yeah. my post-grad depression. Um, and, you know, and now, like, life is much better, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, I still struggle. Definitely, we all do, right? Mm-hmm. But it's definitely different. I have better coping mechanisms. I know what I need to do to reset, how to reset, how to refocus. And that goes back to, like, why I don't believe in New Year's resolutions, like when a problem happens, I have to address it then so I can be able to proactively engage it and face it head on sure. as opposed to like letting it happen to me. So, sure. yeah. And I would say um, just for me. So I know we spoke about post, uh, you know, graduation to present uh, depression. But um, I guess for me, a lot of it. Um, so you have pre, you have post and you have current. So I think that's something that also really affects a lot of people. Um, I know. So. Just start. Uh, I just I want to start from from my uh, pre graduation. Yeah, seeing that graduation application um, is big. That's a huge step in life because literally uh, from K through twelve, you know, and in college, uh, you really are told exactly what to do. And now um, the weight is on your shoulders. You know, it's it's there, and you have to decide for yourself uh, what you want to make out of of your life. And so uh, that was really hard. But I, I, I really want to say the uh, 
the current state in which I was, uh, like, not the post, not the pre, but the current depression, because um, college, uh, uh, like, is very, like, it can get depressing when you're in that, just being there, because, so I, so I, I after I graduated um, from Raff University, um, you know, I went straight into college, but I went into an, a completely new area. I so I I'm I'm a graduate student at Morgan State right now. I didn't know anybody in Baltimore. I didn't know anybody at Morgan State. You know, my depression came from isolation because I did not have my friends mm-hmm. back home. I didn't have my mom here, my sisters. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't know. I literally knew no one in this city, no one. And so, not only the fear of the unknown, but just the being by yourself is very. For me, it was very dark, and it was something I'm not used to because on my college campus, like, you know, everybody knew me. I had all these friends. I had all these, uh, you know, people who, look, who looked up to me, people who I could rely on, and now all of my support systems were miles away, states away almost, mm-hmm. you know. And so it became a, a pretty pretty dark place. You know, I, I, I started drinking, like, every, like every weekend um, just because, I mean, it – it felt good, and I needed something to ease that anxiety, to ease that pain. Uh, you know, um, not that that is a good decision, but uh, it was a decision nonetheless. And as part of what change is all about, making decisions uh, for yourself. And I guess I kind of hung on. I mean, because I would, I, I think that my breaking point uh, kind of happened, or, or rather, my uh, transformation rather happened. Um, when I was introduced uh, to the corporate office, um, sim- simply because like I-, I wasn't really doing much at the university, like being by myself, literally for like twenty four hours a day, like it- I-, I would just step outside just because I wanted to breathe fresh air. I wanted to see somebody on the street, you know, have human uh, interaction because I I felt like I had no connections, um, and so that was a pretty pretty. Uh, 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 darkening place for me but throughout it all I I I can say that um I definitely remain optimistic um you know because I had a hope that I would not allow despair to get the last word and so uh currently right now you know I'm saying 2019 I feel very happy to be in a place that I am um doing extremely well in in my uh, graduate program have being surrounded by brothers at the corporate office you know what I'm saying joking and laughing uh and like you know having a good time, you know, uh, making friends um, from being a leader in my cohort, you know, um, having conversations with my professors, et cetera, et cetera. You know, um, I was able to make, I I was able to connect those dots. And I think that, you know, while pre and post are extremely important, um, the current also matters because you never know what somebody's going through. You never know uh, the sort of mentality that somebody has um, you know, pe- people, people, I like to say, have very good poker faces. They might be smiling one, one day in front of you, but then they're crying behind your back. Um, and that's the reality that we face. And that's a lot of, that, that's, that's the reality that not just college students, but a lot of people, just human beings, and that, like those are raw human emotions. And so um, just, you know, please be yeah. mindful of, 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 of other individuals. You know, I, I try to practice that um, as I preach it, to be mindful of others' uh, opinions. I have no idea what somebody's going through. 
And so um, that kind of helped me, the corporate office, and also reading and writing. Um, I just finished write, I just finished reading Michelle Obama's Becoming, um, which is which was her memoir, and that was just a beautiful uh, and elegant um, way of her expressing her life story. And I was able to relate to that as a as a as a black man, her being a black woman. Um, but yeah, I think that definitely brought me out of the hole that I was in, and and I can say that I found uh, peace and in and, and, and are rather continuing to find peace in 2019. Yeah, and uh, one thing that you said that was important was just being mindful that everybody has a situation. And because we are a fraternity, a black fraternity, it's important to realize that black men specifically, black men specifically um, struggle, right? Black men specifically are taught, conditioned to not express hurt, not to express sadness, not to express basic human emotions that we all have access to, clearly, right, as four black men sitting in this room. And so uh, let's just be extremely mindful of that and allow those conversations to happen uh, with other people as well, specifically black men with other black men too. Right. Right. So, so, so that was kind of the premise for this episode was, was to just start the conversation. So seeing that, um, seeing that we have all shared our experiences with it, let's, let's try to get on top of those who are, who are going to go through this or who are going through it now. So, um, so I guess, I guess what I want to do is I shift gears into, uh, into talking about uh, the bad practices and the good practices of tackling it, right? Mm-hmm. So we 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 had um, we had brothers say that they turned to alcohol, um, <laughs> and and um, I hope that there aren't any out there. Um, well, this is wishful thinking. I, I'm hoping that there aren't any out there who are turning to drugs, um, or, or 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 sex or any other um, any other toxic behaviors that right. that 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 you turn to because it's 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 instant gratification yeah, and you, right. you, you get a rise out of this, the, these, these, um, these acts of, 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 of drinking alcohol or, 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 or smoking weed and things like that. So, so really let's just, let's, let's just go around. Let's, let's just define some things that we can do that are good. And I'll, I'll, I'll jump off by saying, I'm not going to take all the words out of your mouth because I wrote, a, um, I, I, I wrote a few down being proactive, but mm-hmm. I'm going to say the one thing for me was, was breathing. Now we say we don't think about breathing because it's something that we do uh, instinctually, something that's that's just done because we have to, you know. But if you breathe intentionally, you you not only slow your heart rate down, but you also it's 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 something to to feed oxygen to your brain and 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 and, and get your 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 blood pumping in the good way and things that you can. Uh, do when you when you I have an Apple Watch right the Apple Watch tells me when to breathe right yeah that has saved my life I'm gonna mm-hmm. tell you that right now because there are times and and honestly I feel like it's God works in mysterious ways and he put this onto someone who 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 was in charge of designing the Apple Watch we should put the breathing app on the Apple Watch I'm getting on a tangent but I'm saying that to say that breathing is very intentional you should breathe intentionally because it will help you I'm telling you it will help you and you know what it's funny because I was thinking about the Apple Watch as you were starting to so I have an Apple Watch too right mm-hmm. and, it, and it causes it, the app does pop up every once in a while and says you know it reminds you that breathing would be very helpful and it kind of helps you center yourself and at one of the things I think you know I think about my story and kind of what you all just talked about but in a lot of ways, especially as black men, um, you know, we don't take time for ourselves. Right. We let everything else inundate. I have a very, very busy schedule. Anyone who knows me knows I keep a very busy schedule. 
sometimes intentionally just because that just kind of works for me. Um, but having this watch and having that app just to say, all right, you know, it's time to breathe. And when I do engage in that, I realize like I have to put everything else down, put it down. I've got to put everything else away for just this 60 seconds or maybe it's two minutes or whatnot. Um, but I got to put everything else down and just focus on me, focus on where I am in that moment. And I think one of the things when Cameron, you shared your story and it's, it, it, some of the stuff that you talked about is exactly what I you know went through. I applied to one graduate school and I did not get in. I actually applied late thinking that, oh, I may just still get in, right? Um, but I think one of the, and I was talking to a brother about it in, in the office the other day, um, something I've seen in my work, but something I saw in my own personal life, especially, and I, and I say this because I know we have a lot of brothers, young brothers who are leaders on their campuses. Mm-hmm. Student leaders tend to not take time for themselves. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to preparing to leave the campus, we are underprepared. Oh, yeah. Because mm-hmm. we've spent so much time organizing. We've spent so much time running meetings, putting events together, going to support everybody else. And that becomes our life. And it, it, yes, it is a positive thing when you're on the campus. But when that's not there anymore, mm-hmm. right, it's like, who are you? Yep. What do you have? What are you, right? Yeah. What do you have and what do you bring to the table? And I think that was one of the things that I really struggled with a lot was this idea of, well, who's going to need me now, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Or, where, or, or who am I going to connect with now? Mm-hmm. You know, because mm-hmm. on a college campus, you know, for me, I lived in a, a program house that was centered around the African diaspora. Again, the, the activities and the leadership roles I carried we're in the black community, mm-hmm. but we were forced to be together because we're, we're there. Right. We're on campus, especially in Ithaca. Right. I mean, if you've not been to Ithaca yet, it's isolated, right? It's it's far from everything else. It's not like, oh, here's Ithaca, and then 20 minutes away, here's New York City. That's not how it works. Like, four and a half hours. You know, yeah. Trip. Oh, yeah. And so you're not in a place where you can just, you know, just go and do things and, and kind of things are there for you. Really, it was, we had to kind of create our own things. And so... On campus, I've done that for so long. I've created these things. I've created like my my world, my community. Now what? Yeah. But we don't take the time to consider ourselves. We don't take the time to plan. So that would be one of my things that I would suggest for you know those who are listening to this podcast is really as you are in school, think about like be proactive in thinking about your future. It's not that you have to have everything all together. But at least think about what are some of the things that I want to do later on. And then really, may, and, and, and for a lot of us, it's also making sure that the, the opportunities that you take, the leadership roles that you carry, all still align with the things that you want to do later on, right? Don't just do something because, oh, that's the most popular position on campus or, oh, that's because it makes the most money. I'm just, I'm not that kind of guy. Um, you know, money's important, I think. But at the same time, happiness is important. And I'd rather sacrifice a little bit of money if I'm going to be happier. I know a lot of people who have a lot of money and they're not happy. You know what I mean? So it's it's about making sure that you take time for yourself and start thinking about what are the things that you actually want to do? Where do you see yourself? Where do you want to be? And doing that early enough so you don't leave it for the last minute. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah, and uh, real quickly, um, John spoke really eloquently about like kind of the way to maneuver in that college experience, but uh, healthy ways of centering self. Uh, I keep saying it is writing. Oh, yeah. um, and the thing about writing for me, it, it's just a release, right? Um, and I don't write, what, like, you know, I don't write mm-hmm. in my journal. I don't care about like syntax or grammar or anything. Oh, right? yeah. In my journal, it's not being write, graded. Yeah, I just scratch to it. I curse. I do whatever it is I need to do to try to express what it is I, I need to get out. But also working out helps out 
mm-hmm. tremendously mm-hmm. Uh, for me too. Like, obviously, I don't go as much as I should, but <laughs> you know, I yeah, like, but intentionally though, like when I know. Uh, when I have time at least, when I know that I'm having a bad day yeah. or I know that something is bothering me that I can't really shake, just go to the gym, work out. And then lastly, if you can afford to, um, literally schedule time for yourself. Mm-hmm. Like on your calendar, right? An hour a day, like 30 minutes a day, 15 minutes a day, whatever, however much time you have, block it out for yourself. Like it is an obligation the same way anything else that you feel is an obligation that you have to do. You have to do that for yourself and do what kind of things in that in that in that time block sure whatever like for me what i tend to do i like to not worry about school i like not to worry about like other people it's just cameron like how does cameron feel mm. what is what is cameron thinking about how mm-hmm. are things that are happening around me make me feel how do i adjust how am i able to like proactively uh, engage things that i need to do how do i refocus uh and typically that's what my time is spent on is like refocusing uh, because then, like, mm. throughout the week, you just get so sporadic. Or throughout the day, so many things can happen. Yeah. And it's just, you get lost. So so, so would you say um, during that time, is it, is it just a, a close your eyes and, and, just, and just reevaluate? Or is it um, listen to music um, or, 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 or do something that, 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 that's soothing to, to your own personal yeah, th- life? Yeah, I think it really depends okay. on on the day. Like some days I'll write, some days I'll listen to okay. music, some days I'll just sit, some days I'll cry. I yeah. don't know. Like, yeah, right, right, there's right. There's a plethora of things that could happen within that time. Right. But I just know I have to do that for myself to center. Sure. Yeah, and I guess some advice that I would say um, is definitely, you know, for those of us who don't have Apple Watches, um, <laughs> I, w- I would say <laughs> um, <laughs> one thing. <laughs> <laughs> right. y'all, y'all making me depressed right now. <laughs> no, nah, but um, I, I, I think that it's really important. Um, one thing that I, the one model that I've, I, I participate in is um, just texting people or calling people mm. who are close to me. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I, I mean, we all know that energy is not created nor destroyed, mm-hmm. but energy is transferable. And if you are feeling good, jovial, and in a happy mood, you should definitely share that with somebody. You should text somebody you love, text somebody you care about. Hey, mom, you know, think was thinking about you. Uh, you know, wanted to tell you I love you. Mm-hmm. Hey, bro, how you doing, dog? You know, saw your picture on Instagram. You know, you how you doing big things. You know, just just share that share that energy. You know, following uh, the great philosopher Tiana Taylor's uh, <laughs> saying, <laughs> and keep that same energy. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> keep that same energy. Um, share that laugh a lot, laugh often, and be around and be, and be around people that you love. Um, you know, I think that's very important. Uh, you know, because you know, like I said earlier, we're all going through something. So even if you're feeling uh, good, you should share that. If you're feeling bad, you should share that. Mm-hmm. Don't don't allow yourself to be plagued with that aloneness or uh, to be uh, plagued with um, that shadow by yourself. There are people around you who care about you. There are people around you who love you. And uh, uh, as important as it is for um, them to tell you that, it's also important for you to tell them that. You know, mm-hmm. to 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 reaffirm and and uh, often uh, reinstate. You know, hey, I care about you. I love you. And I hope that you're doing well. And I think that if everybody told, I think that if, if, if everybody in the world told um, or rather shared happiness, there wouldn't be any sad people in the world. Share, share your happiness, share your joy, and uh, try your best to um, make sure that you are taking care of your best self because mental health is important. And I'm sorry, one last thing. Um, growing up, I was always taught, like, my dad always used to say, like, when I die, everybody's going to know how I feel about them, right? People are going to know that it's never going to be an opportunity for 
anybody say, I wish I could have mm-hmm. said yeah. this or I wish I could have said that. Yeah, right? That's important. Right. Because I mean, life is, 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 you know, we're young and the reality is like we see, you know, death around us frequently. Mm-hmm. And so we have to always be mindful of that as well. Yeah. Give people their flowers while they're here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Perfect saying. Yeah, definitely. Right. Well, uh, brothers, that, that uh, concludes uh, this episode um, on post-college, post-grad depression. Um, thank you for sharing. Thank you for being present and thank you for having this conversation. It's very important that we as black men come together and we have these conversations and we impart our our wisdom and our knowledge onto uh, those who follow. Um, those who follow are to the use. That is who this segment is dedicated to. Um, those who continue to march onward and upward toward the light. Uh, brothers Bester, Smith, Rollins, and Brother Glaze signing off. Until next time. So I can bless you, 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 so I can bless you. you.